Mark, when you die, what's the last part of you to decay? Um, your skeleton? No, it's your eyes, because they dilate. <laughs> I, got I like that. Hey. I like that one. <laughs> Say it. Hi, Dixie Rex. <laughs> Guess we're ready for the show then. The writing is atrocious. Not a single joke come even close to remotely landing or being funny. I don't know why, but that is extremely interesting to me. <laughs> I'm into that kind of thing. Get to the chopper. Sorry. I feel like we're so spoiled by the internet these days. Thankfully, this does wrap up quite quickly. Step, step back, step, step back. You're going to fuck up in a minute. I'm going to set your place on fire. Let's get higher. How do you know about these people? And what the fuck is this pattern? This effect made me want to die. This couldn't make its mind up on what it wanted to be. Get a little bit of gasoline. Hello, this is the You Run Podcast Horror Movie Review. My name is Scott. My name is Mark. And we are the only horror movie review show completely run and controlled by you our wonderful listeners. Uh, you can vote in movies every Monday and decide what we do in upcoming episodes. You can simply request an episode like's been done for today's episode. Um, also, a few weeks ago, Urban Legend as well, which is coming up in future rotation. That was uh, a request by Joanne. I want to say Joanne. I think we've both got this wrong because I was calling her. No, it's Nicola. It's Nicole. It's Nicole. Nicole. It's Nicole. It's Nicole. Um, So that's coming up soon as well. Um, You can do this in lots of ways. You can do it by sending us an audio DM. Uh, Do that on Instagram. Literally go to DMs and click and hold where it says microphone or where there's a picture of a microphone and speak. And it's, it's, it's that simple. Or you can record us a TikTok with no music. We have lots of these mounting up. None of which we're covering today. They're all going to be on next week's episode. Oh, that's a jam-packed episode then. Mm. Uh, you can also send us an email, yourunpodcast at gmail.com. And we've got a couple of those for you to read out as well. That's also next week. So am I having a week off of being bashed this week then? Yeah, no, next week. Next week, there's a lot of hate for me next week. Oh, good. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it might have been something with some of my comments on previous episodes. Also, had something to do with a reel I released about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was a bold move when you did that. <laughs> Brutal. And yeah, it's, it's come back to bite me in the ass. Um, would. <laughs> uh, like I said, we have got lots of messages. There is one message I'm going to play on this episode, but I'm saving that right until the very, very end. And there's a reason for that. Before we get stuck into this episode, I have a huge apology to make, or we have a huge apology to make, to Lady Crisis. At the award ceremony, her mic stopped working and no one heard what she had to say. Yes, not good. No, not good. Thankfully, our mics record. So we are going to play that for you right now. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. On behalf of my good friend, Damien Leone, who couldn't be here tonight, I am accepting this award for 2022's Best Horror Slasher with Honor for Terrifier 2. 
Now, I can't speak highly of this movie myself because I have yet to see it, but if the Google audience and the You Run podcast says it's good, then damn it, it must be. I will admit I really enjoyed the first one, so I'm looking forward to watching this one day if my kid ever leaves me the fuck alone so I can watch it in peace. (laughs) With that being said, I would like to take this opportunity to say thank you to all of my fans out there because without your support, I'd be a crippling, anxiety-ridden mother who has no social outlet to express my love for blood, guts, and gore. With that being said, if you could just stop by my merch shop and buy an item, it'll help me with the purchase of a bottle of wine that I know I'll desperately need once this baby is born. Link is in my bio, and thank you guys so much, and go check out Terrifier 2, because my ass still needs to do it. (laughs) Brilliant. I tell you what, I would love to get her to make her grandpa watch Terrifier 2. Wow, that that's a challenge. That that is. I don't think he'd last five minutes. No, I he might. I don't know. He's quite. I get the feeling he's quite a hard man. He, I don't think there's much that phases him. It's more that he's like, fuck this movie. Yeah, but that film, man, it pushes you to the brink. It, it really, really does. It really does. But I enjoyed it, which is I a did. shock because it's not my not my normal thing. Uh, Mary, really, really sorry, and everyone who's listening, go and check out Lady Crisis Seven on TikTok and Instagram. Click the link in her bio and buy some of her merch as an apology from us. You can apologise for us financially. Do that. Yes, please do that. Yeah. In a twist to our usual show plan, I'm going to hijack... Recommended Account of the Week. So this week's recommended account... Oh, I feel powerful. Do you feel powerful when you do this every week? No, it's usually a sense of pressure and nerves and... oh underwhelming delivery of everybody else's hard work yeah no i I feel kind of proud that i'm pushing an account i like it um this week's recommended account is dewey pod monster now they are a a podcast that are incredibly entertaining um give lots of movie facts and just basically shit talk movies um their latest episode is barbed wire which is hilarious. So they do horror movies. But they also cover things like barbed wire and like weird and wonderful things. They they absolutely slaughtered cocaine bear. No, not cocaine Bar- bear. Barbed wire, the Pamela Anderson one. Pamela Anderson one. Yeah, no, they slaughtered Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh, nice. Yeah, they, they had lots to say about barbed wire as well. Um, go and check them out. It's at Dewey Podmonster. They're on Instagram and they're on Twitter as well. Uh, really great show. Go and give them a listen. I really, really enjoy their show. I haven't listened. I, I, I said to you, you messaged me about this, and I was like, oh, I'll check them out. So I'm a bit prepared for the show. And then obviously, me being me, I've come unprepared. Yeah. <laughs> and not check them out. Are they American? Are they British? Are uh, they... Yeah, they're, they're American, but they, well, I say but, they're, they're American. No. <laughs> not but like it's a bad thing. Uh, no, they're an American podcast, but their takes on things are a little bit like us very, very honest, very to the point. Like when they done um, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey midway through one of them was like do you know what i just i just don't care i don't want to talk about it well let's talk about something else and they went off and spoke about another movie for about half an hour brilliant that's yeah. how we should have handled that film <laughs> i liked it though why i just enjoyed it i don't know there was something about it that i liked i i worry about you sometimes i really do yeah um this week we are bringing you a listener request from eric 82 on instagram who, when he heard that I didn't want to cover this, you reviewed this on your page, and I went, I don't want to cover that. It sounds gross and disgusting. He instantly requested it. Gotta love our Just listeners. how this show works. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
It then turns out that Eric himself has not seen this movie. I was blown away by this when he commented. I can't remember what it was you'd put up with a three-word review or something like that. And he like confessed that he hadn't actually seen it himself. I was like, what the actual fuck? Like, yeah. You requested we did this movie. I at least thought you might have seen it. Yeah, no, he hasn't. But I, Eric, you need to. But anyway, um, today we're talking about the dangers of sexually transmitted diseases and why rough sex is not always the best sex. We're also doing a deep dive into death and decay before Mark goes and interviews Eric Faladu, who is the director of this movie. And we take a look at the body horror extravaganza, Thanatomorphos. So after that awkward pause, this is the point where we'd normally insert a trailer. However, this trailer is music only, um, which is a great trailer and it gives you a good idea of what you're going to get doesn't translate very well in an audio medium when there is no clue to what's going on just a bit of music yeah and you know what i listened to a podcast about this movie probably two three weeks ago around the similar time that i reviewed it and they actually played the trailer as the like what they do on their podcast is they'll play the trailer as their opening so yeah we'll have music we'll talk and then we'll play the trailer they literally play the trailer as their opening to the episode and it was weird <laughs> Because it was just music. And I was like, this is weird and creepy and yeah, has no sort of context yeah. to it whatsoever. It doesn't yes. translate very well in audio. No. So I decided not to not to insert the trailer. Uh, go go watch the trailer. In fact, go watch the movie. Trigger warning. Don't do this very often on the show. This episode deals with some serious body horror and super gross stuff this week. If this affects you, proceed with extreme caution. This episode is not for the faint of heart. No, and not just body horror and grossness. This deals with a lot of themes regarding, I would say, depression, abusive relationships. Yeah. Etc., etc. This has got all the nasties you can think of boiled up into one hour and 35 minute movie. So, yeah, tread, tread lightly. Yeah, we'll put it in a little bubble. This is going to be a rough episode. Yes. <laughs> There's certainly some uncomfortable themes to be discussed here. There definitely is. Our listeners have scored this a 6 out of 10. Uh, IMDb rocks in at a 4.6 out of 10, and Amazon comes in at 3.8 out of 5. Uh, if you're not a regular to the show, you get our scores at the end when we do our roundup. Um, are you ready to get into it? Yeah. I'm quite impressed by those overall scores, to be honest with you. They're a lot higher than I expected them to be, especially considering majority of those are critical scores as well. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I'll save it, to, I'll save it for my roundup. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it just surprised me at how high they were. Based yeah, on I, the usual kind of people who comment and leave reviews and stuff on Rotten Tomatoes, I was surprised at how high that, that score yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, the scores for us, obviously, ours are scored on a sliding scale on Instagram we had the extremes of people like just touched the dial. So it barely moved and other people who wound it all the way up to nine and 10. So we had, we had a real mix and we, we landed on a six. So yeah, on an average, pretty good. After some very flashy stroby red sex images, I think that's the best way I can describe that open, very yeah. opening. Um, we meet, meet our main character while she has a piss on the toilet. There's no holes barred immediately. The sex <laughs> scene, as you first introduced to it, is basically like the closing act of House of the Thousand Corpses, like yeah. Rob Zombie's music video director. You, It's just flashing predator colours 
of two yeah. people having rather aggressive sex. That is pretty rough. Um, we then get a bit of full frontal nudity in the kitchen. Uh, you said I could not sexualize this movie. I, I can. She had a <laughs> she had a nice body. <laughs> I will not take it away from her. Um, how far how far into this film do you keep that going? It ends now. Oh. <laughs> literally now this is this is the only point um the main character is called laura and she asks her gentle gentleman call it if he's staying for the night and he says no he then gets an instant bout of karma as he cuts his foot i laughed because this bloke's an asshole yeah i mean they do a very good job early on of setting up the dynamic between these two characters and their relationship he's not very warming to her as a partner he's clearly just having sex with her and then leaving in the middle yeah, of the night. She, I mean, this she, is clearly like two, three in the morning. He's not, and he's still willing to get up and make the effort to leave because he has no emotional connection to this character. Yeah, she, she's a booty cool. Yeah. And they're yeah. in a relationship. It's not just like he is a one night stand. They're in a committed relationship together, but it's clear that she's very isolated from him in terms of emotions. Yeah. And they show this very well as well, that he's isolated and she wants more. So like when he cuts his foot and he cuts it quite badly, she treats his foot. She she bandages him up. And I, I like the fact that this is very, very authentic. So in a normal mainstream horror movie, if someone cut their foot and the other person was going to treat them and they were both naked, they would put clothes on. Yeah. In the really, really real world where we live, that doesn't happen. If you cut your foot and you're naked and your missus comes to help you bandage your foot... You both stay naked, and they do that in this movie. You both stay. You would get naked, naked triage. <laughs> the NHS need to bring that in. I think there is a lot of complaints to be made there. <laughs> I think there probably is as well. Um, the man gets dressed what seems to take an eternity. He is the slowest guy at like leaving. Yeah, really, really slow. Um, he kisses Laura goodbye and he leaves. Once he's gone. We see Laura kind of do almost like maintenance. So she pulls the nail out of the floor. She wipes up the blood. Um, I have one small complaint, which is a reoccurring complaint throughout this. Why does she not turn on a fucking light? She does all of this in the... (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I I understand her pain. Um, Uh, To be fair, though, I'm not a big light guy. I don't have lights on in the house. Like, really? I live in a big, massive open plan downstairs. How, it's not massive. That was a wildly over-exaggerated <laughs> You live in Wayne Manor. <laughs> yeah. So in my castle at home, <laughs> I live in, like, we have an open plan house, so everything is all on one floor and then downstairs. Um, but I'll muster my way around that full house with a single lamp. Really? What are you, fucking yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge? I just like the darkness, you know? I like the da- The only thing, the only light that's ever on in my house is a TV most of the time. <laughs> Yeah, so our house, we have, like, we've got two lights in our front room and we've got a table lamp. We'll have the two lights, the table lamp and the TV on. Yeah, no, I don't like that. I like the cinema experience. I like my house to be, like, as dark as possible all the time. Like, it's now peak summer, so the sun doesn't go down to, like, half past nine here. I'm closing curtains and blinds at, like, half past five, six o'clock in my house. <laughs> yeah, so it's broad day- daylight now where we're recording and behind yeah. me, all the lights are on. Crazy. Your energy bill must be extortionate. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, after she's done her cleaning up, she gets out a stool and a small table and start works working on what I instantly recognise as a sculpture. Um, I used to date someone who used to clay sculpt and instantly I knew what it was. 
Um, she stops almost immediately and then puts it away and goes to bed. This movie is very artsy and it's very dark. It's, I don't know, it's kind of like, you know when you play a horror game, video game, and it asks you to set the brightness level? Yeah. If I had that option in this movie, I would have wound it all the way up to the brightest because there are big chunks of this that I I don't know if it was intentional to get me to lean into the screen, but there was big chunks of it that I couldn't see properly what was going on and it was so annoying. Yeah, I get that. But again, you mentioned about leaning into the screen on the anticipation of there being a jump scare. Mm. It's not that kind of film at all. Not no, once not. do you ever get that. I don't think you have a single moment of jump scare throughout this. That's no. not the intention of this story. No, it's not it, there to scare you. It's there to shock you. And yeah, there, there's a couple of moments to... where I I done the whole uh, gag. I, I uh, gagged. I gagged twice. It's like proper gag to like. Ugh, ugh. Yeah, it's it's really really nasty. It really is some of the stuff they dive into with this. But I mean, you mentioned about Laura Laura doing the sculpture. It's quite an important piece to focus on because this sculpture does come back around later on in the film and it's quite an important piece of the story in terms yeah. of my perception of it, at least anyway, because I think this is one of those films where, and I know I've learned in the past about how films don't give you all the answers with things like X and stuff like that, but that's a clear-cut story that has unanswered plot points. This isn't necessarily unanswered plot points with this film. It's more a case of, open to interpretation which a lot of indie artsy films like this are it's there and it's designed for you to like how you watch this might be completely weird different way to how i watch this and i know that other people who we've talked to in the community have recently watched this as well and their take and what their views on this story is will be completely and probably wildly different to what both of us think about it yeah this is why i like these films because you don't necessarily go in it from A to B. And don't get me wrong, I can't watch these daily. No, These are a very rare occasion for me, and then every now and again I'll seek one of them out. But it's like, I like it because you go in and you 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 have to you have to piece it together based on your own sort of life experiences, if you will. I know that sounds really, really deep and really, really broad, but yeah, I think but you it, have to yeah, I, within yourself to be able to oh, make your own mind up on what you take film for. It's, it's like my experience with this is very different to someone who's been in an abusive relationship and they're they're on the receiving end of that that's going to be something they're going to take something different from yeah. what i did it's there's going to be everyone's going to have a different take for this um it, it does have some shocking moments which the first one is right now and i literally just paused it and i went and had a break um <laughs> so she gets into bed and to my surprise begins to masturbate um, yeah her gentleman caller left her unsatisfied. Male listeners out there, do not be that guy. It's again, not a race. like you say, you mentioned, you mentioned about that. And it, I don't necessarily think it's a case of him. Well, yeah, obviously not satisfying it, but you can see that it's, it's that emotional connection that's left her unsatisfied from him. Like they've had this rough, aggressive sex and it's not, it's not what she's seeking from the relationship. She's wanting that closeness and that emotional support, which he's not providing to her, which is or just a bit her. of foreplay. <laughs> maybe he should be making more effort there, he, but... he definitely should be like, you make the effort before you start it's like the start <laughs> and then the main course jesus christ um we cut to the next day and we see a rash developing on her inner thigh um we get a shot of a mold patch on the ceiling um 
just an observation. She rubbed her lady parts and then immediately after rubbed her eyes. Oh, she did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sat there and went, uh. So you're telling me that this entire film is your pink eye? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, her alarm goes off as she gets to the shower. Uh, this is where one of her nails peels off. Um, this was gross. Um, she puts a plaster on it. And my God, this woman is tough as nails. Fucking forget Laurie Strode. Forget any other final girl. She does not wince. She does not scream. She doesn't do... And her whole nail falls off and she kind of goes, oh, and bandages it up. I would be freaking the fuck out. I'd be ringing my mum. I'd be ringing my wife. I'd be ringing an ambulance if my nail come <laughs> off. <laughs> you would as well. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, we see her finish getting dressed. Then she has eggs and bacon for breakfast. Um, for good measure, we get to see her eat them as well. I watched this early in the morning. I'm going to let in a little bit of a secret now how I watch films. So I watched this early in the morning. Uh, before the kids got up and before Lisa got up. And when I got to this scene, I stopped it and I would have made myself egg, toast and bacon. That's how movies Please influenced me. Please tell me, me you didn't continue watching this film while eating the egg and bacon. I did. Oh, you poor man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we see her leave the apartment and I love this shot. And I know you do as well. This shot yeah. where she walks out the door and then it fades and it fades back in as she comes back in. It's like a 15-second yeah. scene, but I know the entire day has passed. I loved it. Brilliant way to keep it in one location. Yeah, and for me, this is where... Because I wasn't necessarily entirely on board with this film up until this point, but this was this was a shift for me where I was like, that's cool. Yeah. And it's basically, from this point on, you get this, you get this sense of feeling that the cinematography within this film is so important to the viewer because you you literally become a fly on the wall throughout the rest of this entire film yeah because it never leaves the apartment at any point which is something you don't necessarily realize until it gets to this scene and once it occurs your brain just sort of it takes a different take and you and you, you kind of switch your perceptions of what you're seeing and you realize you become more involved in the situation that's occurring in the flat because of the way that this shot plays out yeah, and it's so um, subtle, so subtle, but it just works perfectly. Yeah, and, and I genuinely, it caught me off guard because up until that point, I was like you, I was not on board at all. Um, I, I wouldn't yeah. say I'm on board overall for this movie, but there are elements of it that are outstanding, and that is one of them. Yeah, um, and, and again, for me to say not on board, that's kind of unfair because I wasn't necessarily not on board, but I was just wanting things to kick up a gear. I was like, oh, what's... Because my my discovery of this film was it's one of the most gruesome, nastiest films you're ever going to see. We're yeah, about and... 25 minutes in by this point and nothing has happened. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah, all, you, all you've seen so far is someone cut their toe. You, you've yeah. seen her lose a fingernail. And not, yeah, I, I was kind of with you. I was waiting for it to, yeah. to accelerate a bit. And then when this scene takes place, I'm like, ah, right, okay. I know my role now was an audience for this film. And I was like, I get it now. And I, and I kind of started to... I kind of sat up in my chair a little bit and I was like, right, yeah, let's go. Yeah. We see her go for a wee again and the doorbell rings. Uh, she answers it and she's got a few friends around to drink some wine and just generally chill out. Um, they spill a drink because she has no lights on in her house. Turn yes. a light on. Like even when all these people are there, they're all sat in the dark. All her friends want to see the sculpture and she's like, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't see it. And they're all speculating how she's got a mark on her face. 
Yeah. And they're all guessing and they're all like going, oh, oh I, I think you've done this and I think you've done that. And then the guy from the night before is like, you're all wrong. I just wasn't at my best when I slapped her. And I was like, mate, someone needs to slap you. Yeah, he's such a dick. He's, he's a massive a dick. Asshole. And I don't necessarily think he actually did hit her at this point. No, no, but I think I, it's, just that, it's just that kind of asshole mentality that he has. That yeah. he thinks it's funny to make a joke about domestic violence in that way. It, it did piss me off a lot. And instantly I was like, me, yeah. why, why is this not a slasher? Why are you not next? Yeah. And, and I think one thing to focus on within this sort of dynamic within the party is the conversations that I had is there's a lot of mentions of she's been in this apartment for up to three months now and she's still living out of boxes. And and it, it kind of makes you realise that she's not okay. And you yeah. see that when she's trying to do the sculpture earlier, she gets it all set up, she goes to try and focus on it and immediately stops. Like you said, she doesn't do anything and just immediately walks away from it. It's like she's... These are like symptoms of depression and that people suffer where they just can't seem to get themselves together and motivated and they fall into a, a time loop of yeah. every day is just a cycle. Just the same. And yeah, you get that. And it's a simple conversation, but you immediately pick up on the kind of situation that she's feeling and how unbalanced and un- unsettled her life is, even though everything seems normal. Yeah. Yeah. You do. You, yeah. 100%. I mean, she gets, she has that nasty comment she kind of gets up to leave and he gives her a dodgy look she's like, i'm just going to get some more wine and then one of her friends follows her um this is the guy who's been put in the friend zone he's been in the friend zone a while yes he's a dick as well though. He, he is a dick we'll get to that uh, at this point in my notes because i hadn't watched the whole film i put i think these two should be together i retracted that immediately after i i, I wasn't going to say it when i got further through the film um <laughs> They have a little chat and he's like, oh, this guy's a jerk. You deserve so much better. You, you, you're you, better than this, all this kind of stuff. Um, Bear in mind he's at this party with his own partner. Yeah, exactly that. Um, they return back to the party and the landlord shows up and it's time for everyone to leave. I have never known a landlord to turn up and throw people out of a house ever. No. So he comes in and he's like, I told you no parties. Bear in mind there's like, five people in this house five people sat quietly on the floor drinking bottles of wine it's not yeah. it's not a rager <laughs> no but she submits to him and she makes everybody leave and he weirdly stands in the doorway to make sure they all go yeah and um, her boyfriend shows his true colors here as well he's like he's jealous of the guy in the friend zone and going next time i see him, i'm gonna smash his face in the and, dialogue in this wasn't brilliant i'll be honest no. um, <laughs> she bites back going who the fuck do you think you are and then he grabs her and slaps her. And I was like, wow, hmm. wow. Like, you need to die. I hate this guy so much. And then after he slaps her, he basically sexually assaults her and then has yep. sex with her. Um, and he keeps mentioning that she's cold. Yeah. Not as in cold as in she's being off, but she's physically cold. But she does actually take it in that way because she says, oh, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. It might be because you just give me a backhander, you fucking prick. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I'm, why I'm laughing. That's not even funny. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, funnily enough, I'm not in the mood after you slap me across the kitchen. You fucking <laughs> di- I, I hate this guy. Really, really do. Um, after they've had their sex session, Laura says she doesn't want to do this anymore. Um, it no longer gives her pleasure. 
Um, now I thought, yes, that's great. Well done. Good for you. But no, she was talking about a fucking sculpting. I was like, damn yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, and I thought she was going to kick him out, but then she doesn't. And just, I thought, oh, yes, I was really gearing up for her to just like boot him out and get this sort of. Yeah, get I a think bit that's, of... a, in a way, I think that's kind of the point. Is yeah. that in that moment, we all know that that's what she should be doing. Yeah, but, but she clearly doesn't have it within herself to stand up to this guy. The same way that she didn't have it to stand up to the landlord and be like, dude, we're having a small party. She's very, she's surrounded by very male dominant characters, which she's submissive to. Yeah, yeah, she is. And she packs away all her sculpting stuff and they go to bed. And she wakes up and vomits on her boyfriend, which was gross, um, before stumbling to the bathroom where we see that there's bruises that have sort of formed all across her body. Um and then she collapses on the floor. Now, we get some sort of shots of a dog decaying and we get like these flashy, I don't know the best way to describe them. They're almost like Rob Zombie directed segments. <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes mad flashy red and you see like a dog decaying and like a bug crawling across a dog or a bug crawling across something. And then it comes back to the yeah. actual movie. Um, she gets back in bed and because she's up now. And the mould patch on the wall has gotten bigger. Um, do I address what the mould patch looks like or do we just brush over it? Look at the poster. Should we discuss off air the best way to name this part before we say it? I, I, I think what we should say is look at the poster, name it yourself. <laughs> okay, what you yeah. decide to call that. Put the responsibility um, on somebody else. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, she's not looking good at this point. She's bruised, she's pale, she's very weak, and needs to see a doctor, in my opinion. Why um, has he not taken her immediately to the hospital? Uh, I, I don't know, and she just pops some pain pills as, like, it's fine. Uh, she's stood in the kitchen, she, she breaks a glass and then drinks from the tap. She hears a knock at the door and turns around to go to the door, and as she does, she falls and she falls back on the broken glass. Um, can you explain what's going on in her sink, please? Yeah, so... It's like goop, blood. It's blood and maggots, and I don't quite know what this is supposed to represent, if I'm honest with you. This scene always confused me, particularly, because at this point, I mean, we know what comes later on, but at this point, this is sort of really the first sign of any unusual activity um, yeah it, it it's not very clear so she she drinks the water the water's running fine the dot the door knocks and as she turns away the water in the sink and it's not like it's coming out of the tap or it's coming off her the water from the plug hole starts to rise up in yeah. blood, similar to the kind of thing you would find in evil dead but just a trickle rather than a a fountain yeah um, it's disgusting but it's, it's I, yeah, I didn't get it. I, I didn't understand no. why it was there. No, I didn't either. Um, because there's a lot of things like this that happen later on that I have managed to at least perceive in my own certain way that I want to take it. But this one in particular always stood out to me as I don't get why that one is there. It felt like it came too soon. If it had come later on, I would have been able to make more logical sense of it. But at this stage in the film, it just felt out of place. Yeah, that's only something I've realised in hindsight, not necessarily my first watch. No, my first watch I was more like, ugh. Yeah. That's disgusting. I think that's maybe the only real sole reason it's there. Is just yeah. to, unless it's just a case of signifying that... What's coming. Yeah, I think this is the switch, if you will. She's banged yeah. her head, she's blood, she's like, that. that's maybe the light bulb moment that we needed as an audience to like, all right, okay, 
that's where this is going now. Yeah, and she's on the floor for a long period of time as well. Um, and she looks a whole hell of a lot worse now. She's got, there's blood. I know she's been on the floor for a long time because the pool of blood from her head is now dry on the tiles. Yeah. And uh, the bruises, lighting's changed to signify time has passed through the windows. Yeah, and like all of her bruises now are far worse than they were before. At this point, I thought she had died. I thought she was dead um, until she got up. And I'm not convinced she didn't die here. I'm not convinced that she's not a zombie. No. And I guess she wouldn't be wrong for thinking that either. No. I mean, she, she gets up and she stumbles through the apartment and she's examining her wounds and she puts a bandage on her head uh, and the doorbell goes and she calls for him to come in. And it's the guy who's in the friend zone. Um, he's turned up and he's... But he he's like, look, you need to go to the hospital because he thinks her boyfriend's beating her up. Yeah. And she's like, in a bad way. I mean, she... she she has a bandage on her head where she's self-fixed her, her big hole in her skull. Um, yeah. She's not looking great. No, she's really, really not. Um, she says she doesn't need to go and she starts kissing his neck. Let's be honest, this is the moment he's been waiting for for a long time. I know, but would you, though? No, I don't think he would. I mean, she drops to her knees and opens his flies. She starts to give him a blood job, a blow job, and he's putting his hand on the back of her head, which has got a bloody wound that's pouring out onto the bandage and his hand and he doesn't stop her this goes on for quite some time as well yeah i would not have been into this at all no no it wouldn't have been a turn on for me um what comes next was gross and unexpected as we see our spit come out didn't see that coming <laughs> at all i was like oh wow oh, intended. We're, go- <laughs> we're, we're going all in are we <laughs> Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's very, very graphic. Yeah, and then of... in, in terms of everything. <laughs> and then he turns himself up and just walks out. What the fuck? And just leaves her. Yeah. Just leaves her in a collapsed fly, on the floor. Collapsed on her knees at this point and gargling semen. <laughs> he just walks out and leaves her to it. He's a dick. Yeah. It is not a good representation of males in this movie at all. No, and it's clear that they're trying to say this is all he's wanted, he's got what he's wanted, and now he's... Yeah. Oh, yeah, the messaging's very, very clear. And I hate to say it, there's a lot of guys out there that are like this. Yeah, I know guys like this. Yeah, just so do I. They're they're, they're called arseholes, but I do know them. When she finally gets up, she stumbles around for a bit, and we get a red and blue sequence again and some shaky cam effects. Um this kind of cinema wall is very is very impactful. It's not to my personal taste. It's not something I, I like. Um I feel like it's important here. I, I agree it works in this movie, but as a general rule, when I see this I kind of go, ah, oh, really? It, it works in this movie, yeah. but it, it's not something that I particularly like in movies. No, it's not no, something and I agree with you completely. And if it if ha- if this had been anywhere else I would have been calling this out, but for one reason or another, it just seems to, I think yeah. because everything else is so slow all the time around it, when it does come in, it's a nice change of pace, even if it is just briefly. I think it's just kind of that thing to just wake you back up again. Yeah, and this is where it goes a bit weird, because we get a dream sequence now, where we get yes. we get a naked man fight, we get some knife play as someone's holding a knife to her throat, we get some full frontal nudity and some hardcore sex. Um, 
it, it made no sense to me, but I, I kind of twigged it was a dream sequence and she's got some fucked up fantasies. Yeah, so this is the kind of breaking point for me on where I took the rest of my perception of this film. So what I took from this dream sequence was she's woken up in her sort of self-mummified state, if you will, and she's being assaulted by a surgeon doctor groping her and cutting pieces away from her. Yeah. The doctor then walks over to a big metal cage, which has two humans in it, two human males, very primitive, naked, feral dog kind of willy swinging humans willy swinging and these are the two gentlemen we've already been introduced to this is her partner and the guy who's just had the blow job yeah so my take was that this whole thing is her slowly breaking down due to the constant taking from her of men yeah, every male figure in her life is just pulling pieces away from her, and slowly breaking her down. Which was what I think the whole film is sort of representing is this this decaying breakdown of a person due to the male influences in her life. And I feel like this dream sequence is what kind of showcases what this whole thing is about. Is because these two men are who are such important factors in her life are in this feral like dog state in a cage getting fed pieces of her by a surgeon. And I think yeah. that's basically what it represents. And that's not necessarily what it is, but it's more her perception of how she's being treated because it's her dream. Yeah. And she, you can see she struggles as well. You, when she does wake up, she gets up and she sort of drags herself to the bathroom um, for a much needed shower. And she screams into the mirror before smashing it, where she's just literally lost all control of her emotions now. Practical effects through this are solid throughout. Outstanding. A- absolutely incredible. Um, her hand wound and her head wound are just brilliant, but I wish they'd shed more light on it. It, w- it was a lot of these shots are so dark and I want, I want, I could see how good it was. And I just wanted to get like a daylight shot of that wound on the head or a daylight shot of that hand. And I, I know I know deliberately they've not shown me it, but I could yeah. see how good the practical effects were. Laura ends up back in bed. Bear in mind, she's in a terrible way now. And she masturbates again. Um, it's clear she's rotting at this point. She is falling apart. She needs. She, to sort... Has she put the blinds up yet? Has she put the curtains up? Yeah, she's point. covered everything up now. Yeah, because the scene before this, I think she falls asleep on the bed. It doesn't really stipulate how long she's been asleep for, but as she wakes up, her skin is almost like bubbling with oils everywhere because the sunlight's coming through the window. It's clearly a very hot day. And I suppose if you were dying, if you were dead, not necessarily dying, but if you were actually dead, heat is not good. Heat's not your friend. Heat's (laughs) not your friend. Emphasis on why she kind of puts the ice cubes in the freezer and gets in the ice baths regularly is to try and cool her skin and try and preserve her. Yeah. This S- slow decay the decay. Body. Yeah. I mean, you know what it's like when you leave meat out on the side and it's, it's a hot yeah, day. It's not a good idea. No, it's not. Uh, and when she gets up the next day, you know, I said that I didn't want to see, I wanted to see the effects in the light. I regretted that really quick because we do get it. Str- literally, I sat there and went, Oh, that'd be so cool to see that in the daylight. And then we saw it in the daylight. I was like, this is where I gagged. (laughs) 
But that just shows how impactful the practical effects are here, because you genuinely do feel a sense of, I could be sick. <laughs> uh, honestly, there is no mainstream horror I've ever watched that has made me physically gag, and this made me gag, where she sat there and you could, like, the skin's all, like, bubbly and it's, like, sticky. Oh, the- Fucking I think she started horrible. sprouting a few maggots on her chest and stuff at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 hard. It's really hard. Um, uh, uh, no, so, sorry. This is where she seals everything up. It's now. It's oh, now right, she okay. seals. So she seals all the windows and she takes a bath before bandaging her hand up. Finally, um, what she needs to do is wash her bed sheets. Oh, they're foul. They are oh. nasty. Like yeah. the worst stained... the flesh and stuff on them from where like her skin's just stuck to the bedding and she's Yeah, and instead of doing that she decides to start sculpting again. Um man, this was fucked up when her finger comes off. Yeah. Like, I just sat there and went, Oh shit, her finger's on the floor. It I don't she it... she didn't even cut it off, is where she like had her hand as she's trying to mould the clay and as it she puts snapped. pressure on it, it just snaps. It's like Ugh. Yeah, again, serious decay is taking the form now, isn't it? Yeah, it's oh, it's just it's fucking. This movie is fucking disgusting. I, I, again, I, I think like the sculpture being relevant in this sequence is important because it's showing. I don't want to say too much because I'm saving it towards the end because it's more important there. But I think like the fact that she's she's getting to this stage and the sculpture is coming now back out. Yeah, is very important to. What, yeah, it is, and yeah. To, to where it goes. And uh, like, I, I say this movie's fucking disgusting, and I mean that as a compliment because this is what it's meant to be. I mean, this tested my stomach to as much as I can handle in the terms of vile body horror. This is this is my limit. Any further than this, and I couldn't do it. Really? Yeah, th- this is my cutoff point. Ah, oh, man, this next... 35 minutes must have been really rough for you. It was really rough for me. (laughs) Uh, She takes some Polaroids. What was she photographing? Body parts and injuries. She's basically documenting the level of her decay, I think. Um, And again, I think this symbolizes her sort of basically like trying to remember what she once was in a sense. Yeah, and that makes sense. pieces of herself. That makes sense. She starts documenting it and photographing it and taking pieces of herself and putting them in jars and dating them to when they've fallen off and at what stage and the date. And I think this is her way of trying to keep hold of all the pieces of her life and herself. Yeah. And, and I know I'm going really deep with but my it's, take on it's, this. It's, stuff, it's that type of movie. Of it. That's, yeah, that's its purpose, I think. Yeah, because what comes next ties nicely into that because you see her trying to glue parts of herself back on with like the PVA glue you get at school. She's trying to stick <laughs> yeah. in there and that's her, tr- she's trying to put herself back together. You just uh, expect Neil Buchanan to burst through the door and say, this is art attack. Yeah. The bit where she picks her nails out of the sculpture and tries gluing the back on was rough but I did chuckle that she didn't have a better glue, that it was literally like the bottles of white PVA you had as a yeah. kid. Where you used to put your hand in it and let, let it like dry on your hand and then peel it off. It was yeah, that it's glue. like a step up from a prick stick. Yeah. <laughs> Pricked, not prick. Uh, is it prick? 
pricks. Yeah, a prick stick is something completely different. You find that on OnlyFans. Wow, you learn something new every day, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get another masturbation scene as our boyfriend arrives at the apartment. I was hoping he would call an ambulance, but instead he just freaks and throws up in the hallway. This is when I realised that it was kind of, this was another one of her fantasies, so she was masturbating and imagining her boyfriend turn up. I uh, know. I, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong about. Oh, that. really? Do you think this is actual? Do you think she actually massacres? She massacres him in the the hallway, stabs him to death. I think the direction on this is really, really clever. So the way that they do it, they intertwine the two scenes. So she's masturbating on the bed, and then it cuts to him turning up, and then she's masturbating again, and then it cuts to her trying to seduce him, and then it's back to her masturbating, and then eventually she kills him before yeah. coming back to her masturbating. But what what I kind of got from it was the fact that the events actually take place. She actually kills him. Good. But then she then goes and masturbates and fantasizes about it again afterwards. So she plays it back in her head. And we're seeing uh, okay. So I think that's, I admit, there is a lot of things that I'm saying here tonight that may be completely wrong. And as again, that's why I made such a point of saying earlier that everybody else's take and opinion will be very different to what my perception of this film is. But the way I sort of saw it was that she had already carried out these events and then was reliving them in her head. Because it's clear that she does kill, because again, later on, the other guy yeah. bloke turns up. But So as to me, I kind of assume that this is what she'd just done. And then after the, she'd finished the act, she'd then gone onto the bed to pleasure herself over the act that she'd uh, just committed. And honestly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a red-blooded straight male, and I have no issue of watching a woman masturbate. Watching a woman masturbate when her hands are falling apart and there's maggots crawling out of her chest and her arms and her legs and her inner thighs and she's covered in bruises and covered in dirt <laughs> this is not for me <laughs> uh, on, th- this scene is so vile and i was like oh what she's doing yeah. is it, I, I i love what she's doing i i i, I fully endorse women doing that <laughs> but not in this scene it was so hard to watch and uh, we're laughing about it but it was really hard yeah um, it is it is it's difficult like, She's literally a corpse at this point. She looks like a corpse and practical effects. Whoever done them, bravo. Well done. So, so, so good. Um, we now, now get another artsy cut of red and green, which I said I, I didn't like earlier. Um, it looks cool, but it, it kind of takes me out of the movie. At this point, I was really invested in, is she going to get better? And then I get this cut of like flashy images and really disturbing imagery. Um, well, is this not the one where she putting herself in the coffin yeah so this was where i assume she's dead now yeah i i think she's been dead throughout i think think, she died when she fell over i think that's what they're kind of trying to insinuate but when obviously these are sort of broken down into stages i kind of this was the point where there was no return that was her kind of accepting the accepting her fate yeah, because you see her trying to piece herself back together and holding on to pieces of herself and stuff like that. But at this point, you see the because I kind of these were my the the flashing imagery and the, when it cuts to these kind of predator colours, if you will, these were like hallucin hallucinations almost of yeah. hers. And I think this was the one where where she's burying herself in the coffin because you see her climbing to the coffin and she's in a healed state. She's not yeah. a zombie at this point. She's in a completely healed state, but it's also another, it's also her again. There's two versions of her, one of them in the coffin, and then it's also her putting the lid on the coffin. Yeah. So it's her kind of almost accepting this is 
there's no returning now. I'm at the point of no return. No, but she does make a call for help. So she calls the guy who she gave a blowjob to earlier. Uh, he walks in the door and you can tell he, his acting's great. He walks in and he is repulsed. You can see him gagging because of the smell. And again, I was hoping he was going to find help for her when he finds her pretty much glued to the bed where she's like melting. Uh, and then she says, fuck me. I was like, no, please, please, please do not. Did do you that. think he was going to? I, I, there was a moment where I went, don't you dare. Don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't you know care. What? How... In all of my time of watching films in cinema, I have never, ever in my entire life been able to smell a scene more than I could smell this one. Yeah, and I really could. Uh, he says he's going to take her to the hospital, and then she demands sex. And I was like, mm, no. And then she's like, do you want a blowjob like last time? No, I, I really don't. And I don't want to see that on screen either. So please, guy, don't say yes. <laughs> um, he kind of brushes her off. And then she viciously attacks him and murders him in the hall. Yeah, repeatedly um, stabbing him. Yeah. So I was watching this with headphones on. The flies buzzing in the headphones is what made me gag next. Because the way that obviously the audio works the flies were buzzing left to right and around me. And it, oh, I love it when films do that. Not just necessarily films, but I love that headphone experience. There's a Foo Fighters song called Lure. And I'm going way off track right now, but I just want to start by talking about it because it's amazing. If you ever got a pair of like really big, high quality, like Bose headphones or Beats by Dre or whatever, put in your Amazon Music or Spotify or everything, type in Lure by Foo Fighters turn it to max volume and just sit there for a, like, you only need to listen to the first 30, 40 seconds. And it's like a rolling drum beat, but it starts on one side and you can feel it run around the back of your head into the other ear and then back again, right round. I tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to say, welcome to the You Run podcast and I'm going to edit it. So it sounds like I walk behind you. So welcome to the You Run podcast. You'll now get the effect of what that does. So can uh, you do wait. that? Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm going to make it roll from the left to the right speaker. That's really, really cool. I hope <laughs> you haven't big this up and then massively fuck it in editing now. <laughs> oh, I'll massively balls it up. But it can, I can do it. I can do it. We cut to the bathroom where Laura sits on the bath and she's struggling to breathe. Um, when she gets out, we, uh, it's disgusting. She's all pussy and goopy and her hand drops off. I, I can't tell you how much I wanted her just to die and it be over at this point. <laughs> I, I know that sounds horrible, but that's where I was. It's like, it it's more humane now for you to die. The same way you put a deer down if you'd hit it with your car. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was that point. Um, she has another bath, which it's not going to help back at, the, at this point. It's just not. And she crawls into the apartment the scene is horrid. It sounds gross, especially through headphones as the flies are buzzing around. This crawl across the floor takes a good seven minutes. It's yeah. really hard. Before we hard. get to that, though, we, before she gets in that final bath, we have that final scene with the sculpture, don't we? Mm -hmm. Where literally everything is falling off her at this point. Her skin, her nails, and you name it, these pieces falling off her. And she incorporates them into the sculpture. She yeah. starts building the sculpture with her own body parts and all the bits she's collected in the jars over the time. Um, and again, I may be very wrong on my perception of this, but I, what 
the state she was in at the beginning of this film where she couldn't concentrate on her work, she couldn't get her life unpacked, she was literally just stuck in this cycle. It's almost a way of symbolising that you literally have to break everything down in order to rebuild. Yeah. And and I just thought that was a really, really clever way of presenting that throughout this film. The overall, I'll go into it in my roundup, but the overall message in this is great and it's really clear of what they're trying to say, what the director's trying to say. And the, the, the visuals in this, if you like body horror, this is for you. But yeah. again, I'm going to get to it all in my roundup. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to blow my load early, like the bloke who got a blowjob in the hallway off the decaying corpse. It was a long time. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, yeah, we're, we're moving on. Um, <laughs> she crawls across the floor, and it's we see full decay. It's one of the most gross and brilliant practical effects I've ever seen. As she kind yeah. of just completely like falls apart and like heart melts and it's it's disgusting but as from a yeah. practical effects standpoint incredible the stop motion animation in this sequence alone is phenomenal yeah. phenomenal you still get that breaky kind of stop motion aesthetic from it but it's good and i hate oh, stop fantastic. motion and i love it for that reason that it's still incorporated that sort of stop motion it's basically like a 2018 version of the original Evil Dead Rise. In fact, no, a better analysis for it would be the way that Frank is rebuilt in Hellraiser, yeah. but that in reverse. Yeah, very, very similar. Um, she dies in the hall, and we're left with the sound of buzzing flies and a shot of her body. Um, the movie ends. Bravo. I- I've got quite a bit to say in my roundup, but before we get there, Mark got to run off and do an interview all on his own. And he got to interview the director of this movie, Eric Faladou. Um, Here's the interview. Hello, Eric, and welcome to the You Run podcast. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be here with us today. Thank you. You're welcome. Good, good. I, I wanted to start off by saying how much I love the film Thanatomorphos. I came across this film on numerous top tens of the most like graphic horror films of all time, which sort of piqued my curiosity. But... Once the credits rolled, that wasn't really my takeaway from it. I was more invested in the story than anything else. I just wanted to know, was it when you set out to make a film like this, did you start by wanting to make such a graphic horror film or did you have a story and then the the idea of making it as viscerally graphic as it was came afterwards? I'd say uh, exactly the, the story come first. And uh, with the story, I felt that it needed to be depicted a certain way to be effective. So instead of, uh, because I could have done a lot of shots or things, uh, you know, out of frame or suggested a lot of, of the action, but I thought, no, the movie is about something specific, which is uh, the process of the body decaying, but it's, um, it's more the way the character uh, live with herself and, her, and herself. And that was important for me to show it graphically uh, because it came with what it was about. Uh, that said, um, like for sure, like making it uh, this way and then thinking about um, it was not, I didn't talk about grossing out people. It was more like to be respectful of the subject and what I wanted to say. I needed to show it. Look, it, it was necessary to show everything because that's part of what the film is about. So I felt it would have yeah. been like, I would have been cheap cheating uh, on the um, on the audience if I didn't go uh, 100% in it you know I would have felt like it's just like it's a it's an idea and we didn't have the balls to do it <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's really the, the graphic aspect was 
was um, was a necessity. So I think it was important to showcase it the way that you did. The way that this is sort of plays out is a lot of elements, or at least my takeaway from it at least, was that the way that men are sort of taking parts of, of this character throughout this film, it felt like it was a, a study more upon women's dealing with men's attitudes toward them in, in a day-to-day life. Is that something you give consideration to or is that just my, my take on the film? Well, in fact, it's one of the numerous things that's happening to that character. So you're right. Uh, one part is all the relationship that she has with men are like bad relationship and they take advantage of her and it just contribute to something that's bigger that was always already there, which is uh, how she is feeling about herself and taking care of herself and how she uh, actually um, is kind of living outside of her own life. And when she starts running at one point, it's just like a kind of way to say she's disconnected from herself. And the more the film goes on, the more she reconnects with herself, but it's too late. Uh, so yeah, for of course, like the relationship that she has with the guys uh, are important, um, especially since uh, what one of the things that I wanted to do is like to have a female character because I think that it's really more interesting because there's a lot of... Um, of things, uh, female body in art in general is more connoted than the male body, I, fa- I think. So there's a lot of things that goes with how we picture uh, female, especially female naked. So I didn't want it to erotize the, the character. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to have something more of, uh, again, of that disconnect, but trying to address a question of representation about female body in films and our film particularly through um to that character so that was like clearing a, an intent that i had and the male character was were written to uh, to reflect that actually yeah I, I read in an interview recently that you you originally intended for this to be a male character when you first set out to make this film at what point did that sort of change for you and and would the story have played out any different had it been a male character but it it changed actually quite um, almost at the at the start of the the writing process because I was ra- starting to write my draft and uh, writing my synopsis and stuff like that. I was like, okay, it doesn't work. my treatment stuff like that? It didn't work out because it felt like how can I say that? Uh, it felt flat because again, it's not that much interesting because male body didn't, or the male male character in general or how we address male male uh, agentivity in our film it's way different than female so it really like sifted uh for all the reasons that i said earlier about what i wanted to do yeah. and and say afterward and i felt it for it was richer to go with a female character at the time there's a little lot of my own emotions i i thought it was kind of um it was less interesting to be too close to me at one point yeah so like to be able to have that distance was uh, yeah, it, it was important for the movie and also for the character to exist and to be not to not have a one-dimensional character, but a character of multiple layer. And then it came with changing uh, the sex of the character. But in fact, uh, I've said I've said all this. But when I started writing, uh, I just like changed male for female because actually, yeah, it informed the relationship that she has with other male character in the Arab Man and everything. I wasn't at that point when I've changed the, the sex of my character, but 
when I started writing, I just like changed it and it was the same thing pretty much. Yeah. Because, because I felt like most of the time, um, in film in general, uh, I don't remember who said that in, a, in an interview, but it said like, if you want to write good characters that are male or female, whatever the gender you are, uh, or identify to, same thing with, uh, racial, like, things like whatever you are you write your character and then you change it and if it still works it means that because we're all obviously human beings so we can connect to everyone and it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel like i'm writing female character because i want to be whatever that's that, that's not the way you know so it's so i don't remember who said that but i felt it was really interesting because if you write a good character it can be anything we don't care Yeah. yeah, and I could see this playing out from a male's perspective as well, and I think it would still work as well as it does with a female protagonist. Um, speaking of female protagonists, I reviewed your movie recently on my website, and one of the biggest standout points for me was actress Caden Rose, who plays Laura. Um, considering she's a main focus point for this entire film, I found her to be extremely captivated. What was the process of placing her in this role? Was it an audition process? Did you have her in mind already? How, how did this come about? Uh, in fact, I've seen her in a few films before, casting her. Uh, she was in Montreal and she did a few films for a guy that that's na his name is Mathieu Saliba. I don't think if he's still doing movies, but it's been a while, like 15, 16 years ago. So, uh, And I've seen her in the, these films and I was like, oh, wow, okay, she's perfect because she has something in her eyes. That That's what like drew me to her. It was like she kind of is there, but there's a kind of blackout sometimes, almost that you feel yeah. like she's not here. So she has something particular with how she look at things. Um, so I just wrote to her, sent her the script and said, okay, I want to do that. And she was not really, um, how can I say that? At a matter of first, because she was like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of nudity. There's a lot of makeup. It's kind of, the, the, the script was um, gorier than, than the final result. We cut some stuff from the script uh, during the process because it was, But either too much that I felt was too much, or because uh, we um, it was too complicated with the budget and everything that we had to do. So anyway, sounds good, but uh, the, the end result is exactly what I wanted. But just to say that she looked at the script, she was like, "I'm not sure, you know." So uh, who are you exactly, and how do you want to film that, and how do you want to work? And that's from that discussion that both me and her found out that we related to each other, so she could really play the part and understand what I had in mind, but also that she felt like safe in the movie too. So she felt like it would be uh, respectful, respectful for her and to the character in the movie, how I wanted to do it, like yeah. all the shots and, and everything. So it was really a discussion that we had, uh, both of us. But yeah, I, I uh, went to her like it was the first person that I approached to, uh, to, to be in the movie because I've seen her and I was like, okay, that's, that's what I need, that face, that these eyes, you know. Uh, yes, I found yeah. her to be perfect at casting. The range of emotions she she displays throughout this film is incredible, incredible. I'm surprised I haven't seen her in more, to be honest with you. But actually, she's uh, she was doing mostly modeling stuff. And uh, after Tatomorphos, I think she played in one short film, whatever. But uh, she she just moved to something else in her career. So I spoke to her like from time to time again. Yeah, and, and she says to me like, "Oh, it would be fun to do another project." So <laughs> I think just like maybe the the person who approached her or or the project that she has been offered wasn't like that interesting for her, or at least she didn't feel, um, yeah, she didn't feel it was good for her or that she wanted yeah. to do. So we never know, but uh, that said, uh, yeah, yeah, she was, uh, she was really cool uh, on that. And when we did the movie, actually, we, we talked 
about how we wanted to do it. And, and I told her, I told her it would be a hard show because you will be naked most of the time. You will be covered and whatever you have to do. So what we could do to, um, to get you in the mood, which was really a hard one. But when I think about it, it's like we shot, we shot in, um, we shot the script, uh, in sequence and order. We didn't like shot separate part. So for her to be able to really descend into the same kind of, emotional state that the characters were descending during the movie. So we shot from scene one to scene, whatever I don't remember, but we didn't like uh, do scene 15 the first day or scene. So it was really good for her because every day she started to add more makeup on her and her body, she started to get more tired because we were starting earlier. It was the artist part and everything. So it, it shows, I think, in there, not, not how she plays it. Well, a bit because she was tired and a bit fed up. And at one point it was a lot of emotional stuff to yeah. deal with. but also it shows on her body because like that's something that is hard to uh, to translate or to play it's how physically you react to some stuff <laughs> and since her body during the old month was like it was harder and harder so it felt i, I think you, you see it on how she uh, she plays on screen but how our body reacts independently of her at one point so it's really uh, so, so that was something we agreed on to play with and to uh, to kind of go with a, that kind of schedule to be able to uh, use it for uh, for a performance yeah because it looked like quite a grueling process spending so much time in prosthetic makeup because she is heavily prosthetic throughout this film i mean what was the sh- what was the shooting schedule how long did you film this over well, at first it was not that bad but when we reached the i say the last um the ending part of the movie, that's 20 minutes, maybe. So it was like the last week of shooting. We shot for 21 days. Uh, yeah. But the last week of shooting, and uh, she had makeup for, in the morning, it was five hours, between five and 10 hours in the, of makeup. And then afterward, we had the day of shooting. So it was like big days because she was, she was sleeping while we put our prosthetic and everything. But yeah, yeah, we, we shot like um, maybe another eight, nine hours. So it was like 15 17, 18 hours, days of shooting at that point. So it was really hard on her, um, hard on her on that part. And for the special effects team too, there was, it it was difficult. And I'd say when we started having all the, also the, um, the worms and stuff like that, uh, that get to a little bit, um, it was also more difficult because it's quite disgusting. So she had to have that on her and stuff like that. So yeah, it added to that part, but it was, yeah. Between, between, depending on, on what she has to uh, have as makeup, it was between five and 10 hours for makeup, and then afterward, uh, another eight, 10 hours of shooting. Um, and I do remember that at one point, because she had makeup on her every day, like her skin started to actually, a little bit like the character, the, she had the rashes and she had, it, it was hard on her skin, so we had to find ways to, uh, to not be too hard on her. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it, it it became quite difficult. So at one point, fiction and, and reality like just meld together. Oh, well, I think it definitely worked wonders because it definitely reflected in a in a performance. One thing that really struck out to me as interesting was the way that all of this film takes place within the confines of a single apartment. I mean, one of the real one of the most important scenes to me that really reflected this was the moment when Laura leaves to go to work in the morning, and we fixate on the door for quite a long period of time before seeing her come home again in the evening it was really really impressive way to show the passing of time and, and it was 
I felt like a third character within this film. Like it was one of the most fly on the wall kind of experiences I think I've had while watching a film. And I just wanted to know, was this a creative decision you made or was this down to budgetary restraints? Um, I wanted to do have that effect. Like if, if you see the camera in the movie, at the start of the movie, when these things happening, as you say, like the passage of time and all that kind of stuff, I really wanted to have kind of that outsider view of what she's, what she's going on. So almost like, yeah, fly on the wall. That's a good expression, but the camera is more white. We have more white shot. Sometimes characters are farther, like her from the frame. Uh, she's out of focus a lot of time in the first part of the movie. And as the movie goes, we get closer to her with the framing and also with the, uh, uh, with the, um, with, with, with everything that uh, is in focus. Now she's in focus because she's more in focus with herself, even though like everything is over on her part. So all these different decisions that were made about how we frame stuff, how we, uh, uh, the framing and the, um, and, and, and the um, cinematography was all decided before we started shooting because that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted people to feel the passage of time to be kind of a, independent observer but also a helpless observer because whatever's going you cannot do anything and you kind of felt a little bit how she fe she's feeling because she's she feels that she's isolated from everything and she can she don't have control over her life and as a viewer we don't have control about whatever is going on and we knows where it's going so it's it's it kind of adds to that kind of a feeling of um of helplessness. So yeah, when I, when we did the, the 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 scene that you 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 talk about, I was really like, okay, it would be fun to people to felt the place because the place, the apartment is a character. We really worked a lot on sound design to give it some kind of life. So it was one way to uh, to add to that and to put the viewer into that kind of, as I said, the position where is okay, you will stuck on stuff. Sometimes we will stay longer than you might want or that what might be fun <laughs> to, to look and it's yeah. kind of a foreshadowing of what's going on and what will be uh, the rest of the aesthetic during the film so yeah it was really uh, yeah. planned that way i think it was very very clever and it was really really interesting to to have that unique perspective on a film that i hadn't quite experienced in the way that i did with with this and i, and I thought it was really really interesting as i mentioned earlier i'm a massive advocate for practical effects in horror mm -hmm. um And I have to say, your speech is some of the best and most graphic I have seen in a very, very long time. You clearly have an attention to detail with this kind of stuff. So how important was it for you to do this practically? Is it always your vision and intention to do it that way? Yeah, yeah. Actually, in all my movies, I, li I like to do it practically because I felt that on set, you have kind of a creativity and a presence and all the theme, how do you do the stuff? It's important, but also it's informed how, how you will edit afterward, how you shoot stuff. So it's... There's really more of an organic process uh, when you're shooting practical effects. Uh, I like the, I think that, especially in the case of Tanatomorphose, the, the idea was to be graphic, but also to um, to be able to have the film. For, so for the film to work, uh, people needed to feel like the texture, to feel what's going on. And I think that practically, uh, practical effects give you that because you're creating real objects, real stuff that have, yes. that have a materiality, a physicality. So it, it made sense for me to, to do it because as a viewer, you, you feel the touch, you know, you feel how, how yes. things are, uh, that way. So, um, so that's why I rather go all the time with the practical effect, uh, uh, route because I think it's more, uh, uh it gets to the viewer in a different way, uh, than going with, uh, Even the best visual effects for some kind of film, I think it works. It don't work good because it don't work well because of that. 
Uh, if you watch a horror movie and you see fake blood spraying, you feel it. You know, even yeah. though it's well done, you feel it. It's you feel it's not real because of, again texture of uh, there's a way that things doesn't go as planned. It's just a, it's not just a jazer. It's just like it's go a little bit everywhere. So th- there's a lot of small details like that that I think are important to think about when you want the audience to feel repulsed, to feel horrified, to feel involved in a movie. So for me, yeah, practical effects are very important and they are one of the reasons why it works. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, I'm curious to know, would it have been a cheaper and less time-consuming option for you to go down the visual effects route rather than practical? Not necessarily, because the problem with uh, visual effects is that anyway, you have a team afterward that has to, to work on it for hours and hours. So you, have, you will have to pay at one point or another. Um, yeah. You know, there's one shot, with two shots, I think, of, sp- of visual effects in the movie. It's just when she's in her bath and she has no nose. Because yeah. like doing practical makeup is like an additive process. You cannot remove. So you have to create something that gives you that skeleton look. And it was really complicated to lose her nose. But there's only two shots because afterward we are kind of... A, now we have a big head that we put on her with makeup and then we were able to, to, to fake it. So we needed that transition to be able to believe in what was happening afterward and into the makeup afterward. But yeah, visual effect, just these two shots were hard to do in visual effects. It was long, even though we did everything we had. So, I mean, you don't save that much time and, uh, and money. It's, I don't, yeah. I, no, you don't, you don't actually. Uh, yeah. I did another project afterward uh, where I had to deal with special effects, uh, visual effects for other stuff. And then you, you always like end up spending as much time. It's just because when you're on a set, people are, tends to think that, yeah, you have a limit of hours during a day. So yeah, days can be long. It's a tough process, but the problem is that most of the time people, when they do practical effects, uh, they kind of put it at the end of the day and they say, oh, we will do it in an hour. No, it always takes more or longer than that. So you have to have a way of scheduling that takes into account that you're doing practical effects. And that's sometimes the problem because that, okay, well, in post will be simpler and we will be able to choose. Well, yeah, but no. <laughs> and if you don't yeah. know what you want to do, you won't know. You won't be able to know more when you're stuck in post production. You will try a lot of stuff. Yeah. So you lose time just trying. You will, and it. No, you must know what you want to do at first, and then afterwards find the best solution to it. When I choose practical effects, it's not the decision of it will be easier or not in post production with visual effects or no. It's just like because it works way much better that way for me. At yeah. least. Uh, and for me as a viewer as well, I, I always prefer to see stuff done practically, especially within the horror genre as well. I feel it's important for it to be done that way. Again, I also heard you mention in another previous interview that you had a camera stolen during production on this film. I mean, that must be true. That must be a really hard pill to swallow being an artist and having yeah. so much time and effort spent into certain scenes and then those being taken away from you and having to redo them again, especially as well, not just for you, but for the cast and the production team. I mean, how, how can you talk me through that process? What happened? And, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, uh, it was in the, at the middle of the shooting. Uh, so at the end of the first week and a half or something like that, we just all went to a bar after the shoot to, uh, to have a drink together. And we had a day off uh, the following day. It was like, okay, we're going to uh, for a drink. And then afterward, everyone has a day off because the schedule was hard. And we didn't add much days in between. Like it was one day between block of shooting. So, uh, but yeah, so we're all leaving. And then the DUP called me and said, okay, I've been been attacked and robbed so we've lost two days of shooting 
that we must redo first thing first and and afterwards like okay but we need to find a camera for tomorrow because we're shooting tomorrow so it's like ah so uh but we managed because i knew someone who had the same camera and then afterward insurance like we founded us and we had all our, our gear and stuff like that but um it was hard on the team because uh because yeah uh, as i've said with kaden she has to redo two, two days of already <laughs> uh it was the scene it was the scene when she's uh, looking at the sink the kitchen sink and it get bloods in it and she falls and she enters a piece of glasses in her head and there was also um an hallucination sequence that we cut out of the movie because of that because when we reshoot it it was really not good compared with what we had shot previously uh and there were pieces of the um of the uh of the set because we had a special set made in the apartment for that hallucination sequence uh that was partly uh, covered with all kind of mud and and fake blood and stuff like that so we couldn't reuse it so it's just like oh we will try oh, something God, and reshoot and i couldn't film like i wanted to film because of all these practical reasons so it's like in post production it was like a hey, fuck off like we cut the, the the scene because it's it's not as good and it doesn't it doesn't work anymore but yeah that's i'd say that this one was a bit of a the, the first time we shot it i was really happy with it it would have been a cool cool addition to the movie but yeah that there's always like stuff happening on set so or in making a movie so that's one of these uh but i'd say like the um people were still um like the team my team is they are all troopers i mean they were all like okay that's bad but we will do it and we will try to do our best yeah. with it. I was more like I was feeling uh for me it was harder to to try to um to keep Kaden a little bit more motivated because of that because I was like, oh, okay, we'll have to do two more days with all this stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> Just like uh, okay. <laughs> did you ever recover the camera? Did you ever find the footage again or no, no. We never did recover the camera, we didn't do. And the worst part is that when my DOP was attacked he had the camera on a kind of backpack and they pushed him and he felt on his back and he heard a <laughs> so probably the camera was just like they couldn't resell it or whatever it was but we lost our cards with uh with this as the card because the the every days the, the every two days or whatever they the DOP was taking the stuff at his home to do ba- backup and to do the um everything that needed to be done on that so we tried to put like some um some announcements on on the web and everything so please at least give us our two cards and keep the rest we don't fucking care but we never did find them back so yeah <laughs> no, very disappointing um one thing i did find when i was doing a little bit digging on the internet was that you uh in a rock band yep yep yeah i listened to your first self titled album i'm okay. very impressed i really really liked it i'm just curious to know as, as a musician do you incorporate a lot of your own music into your work? Do you do a lot of the sound design and stuff yourself? Oh, it, it really depends on the movies. But for example, my last short films that I, I did, Asmodeus, which was screening festivals, uh, I'd suggest for the last year and a half. So it's still touring. We have screen, upcoming screening comings. Uh, we did the soundtrack with my band for that one because I felt it was... Oh, yes. I noticed right. on the website, actually, the album. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, the yeah. title of the film. So that's oh, the soundtrack of the, yeah, the soundtrack of the short film. And um, actually, we improvise the music on the images. So we did like two or three takes, and then we kept the best one that we think because I wanted an organic process. 
a little bit like the movie because Asmodeus is kind of a ritual. So I wanted that kind of feeling with uh, the music and everything. But uh, but uh, uh, I, I, maybe one day I will use one of my songs in a, one of her, my film. But I'm, I'm not like, uh, it, it all depends on the movies. It all depends on what I want to do. Like, for example, like the music in Thanatomorphose, there's not that many music. And it's mostly like yeah. uh, music from Rohan Krizawek, who, is, uh, who did an album with what he called funerary violence. So it's kind of really interesting. And I felt, okay, it felt good with the movie. So let's go with that. And it's always how I work. So I wouldn't necessarily put my music in my films, only if it fits the mood and what I need to do. I know it's on the casting list, on the band list, there quite a lot of people in that band have the same last name as you. Is this the family band? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, actually, it's funny because my my family, like uh, music is really important in my family. So actually the drummer is my father who had a previous band before as a drummer. And the keyboardist is my sister. So it's really a family affair. And uh, one of my good friends, Dominique, who's playing theremin and, uh, and bass. Uh, so that's kind of the, uh, the nut family, not, not the <laughs> bloodline, you know, so it's not blood related, but yeah, she's uh, a, a great friend of mine. So uh, that's kind of our band. For now. Nice. I mean, I don't know if I could work that closely with my siblings, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> but it's fun, actually, because it's, it's, it's way more easier, you know, the drama and all that kind of stuff. It, it's easier to handle, I think. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed that one of your more recent projects was a pornographic film titled The Thing from the Lake. Yeah. Um, can you give us a bit of an insight on how you came to be involved in the adult industry and what your experience was working within that industry how, how did you find that uh but, well uh, actually my my work as a scholar are about porn films porn studies i'm in porn studies so i did a lot of articles about porn movies and stuff like that so i'm kind of known in certain circle because of that uh, aspect of my life as a um, porn scholar um and also as a filmmaker with anatomos and everything but there's a company in montreal who's called adult time and at one point they wanted to shoot us uh, um, a series with our uh, Midland films, so 40, 45 minutes films. And they wanted to have different filmmakers to handle every one of these episodes. Uh, filmmaker would have been, they had the, the choice of the subject that they wanted to do or they wanted to write it. So there was a kind of, there was a rules though, because it's a porn site. So for example, you cannot show uh, actual uh, blood or I couldn't put like some stuff that's more horror related for that company. I know there's other porn film that more independent or hardcore that do it. So uh, they came to me actually and said, okay, we wanted four directors. Uh, we'd like to work with people that are not born director per se. Uh, one people that work in the horror field uh, and you know porn too. So feel like you're the best one and you're in Montreal and we want to shoot two of the uh, these movies in Montreal. So I said, okay, go for it. I, I, I always wanted to do one, so uh, to do a porn film. So uh, so that's how it came to be. And I, when I came to them, I said, okay, the concept is a bit, a bit about Ron Monster. And I said, oh, I would like to do something with a creature from the lake stuff. So they said, okay, go for it. And I was thinking, okay, I can play with, if I do that, I can play uh, with the horror element by being more on the fantastic side of things and yeah. not having blood, but having, having different like kind of fluids like goo and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I can do that. And I can play with, again, the um, the bodies of the actors with sweat and stuff like that. So I said, like, okay, it all fit. Uh, it all fit it. So I wrote like the screenplay and we shot it in Montreal over four days. If I remember correctly, yeah. 
it was really cool actually I really liked it and I, I when I came upon it I said okay I want to do because in porn I usually shoot two camera because you have to have a wide angle and coverage for all the sex scene and everything so I said no I want to shoot one camera because I want to do like a mix between uh, Jess Franco and, and Jean Rollin, so you no know, with Zoom and stuff like that. So there are a couple of things that got cut because I didn't, the company has her own like needs and rules, but at the same time, a lot, most of what I wanted to do is in the film. So I'm really proud of it and really fun experience uh, to do. You're a porn scholar. What, did, what does that consist of? Well, actually, uh, my thesis was about body fluids in porn and horror film. And now I'm working on my uh, doc to, to be a doctor. So my thesis now is about uh, male bodies in mainstream porn films online. Uh, but I wrote an article about the story of porn film in Quebec. Uh, I wrote an article about uh, the archival side of stuff because these kind of movies aren't like given the love they might deserve. Um, so it's really different because... because there's a bit different approach when it comes to porn studies. There's the more feminist approach, which came with a lot of theories and background. There's the more, uh, I'd say, uh, film studies, which is more my side, which is more on sometimes representation, but all shut, all, all the thing of frame, what is the industry side of things. So it's really different. There's a, really, a lot of perspective and, and porn studies isn't just about movies. There's scholar about paintings, about books, about, so there's a lot of different things in porn studies, but most of the scholars work on um, moving images because per se, it's one of the main thing in the last year and 20, <laughs> the last centuries of cinema, like porn is something important, even though yeah. it's not even the proper coverage that the, that it deserves. But uh, so it's really fun. Actually, it's, it's a lot of things, <laughs> uh, but me <laughs> on, on my end, on my end, I work more on the uh, history of the industry, archival stuff, and a bit about representation uh, in that historical context. So how yeah. things came to be what they are now because of what what has been the history of the genre, uh, how the constraints of, uh, of porn um, put some um, some ways or uh, limits filmmaker or sometimes uh, not. So th there's a lot of things interesting to, to, to play with. So when I had to do the thing from the lake, it was really, it came handy to because I knew that I wanted to try some stuff and film some stuff differently. Before I let you go, Eric, I just, I want to go down the sort of stereotypical question route. And I want to ask you, what are the top five films that influence your movie making? Yeah. Um, actually, there's some stuff that might be surprising. Uh, Alan Parker, The Wall, which is to the Pink Floyd things, but there's always, an, uh, I think, except for Elijah Oxon, which is one of my short films, but all my films have a shot. That's really a clear, stole, clearly stolen from the wall. So people, if you want really? to find out, watch my movie, we watch the, the wall. By <laughs> and you will have to try to find it, but there's always one. There's always one. So um, yeah, one of the most obvious is uh, in the wall. There's a part when the guy is sitting on a on a chair in front of his TV in his apartment. Is there's nothing in inside. So I have a movie called Purgatory, and I did the same thing. The guy is seated, and so it's the same thing as the wall. So yeah, there's always that. So that one is one of the film that really inspired me i'd say on the um emotional uh, level uh two films that really uh are like kind of how can i say that um are movies that are stuck with me for all my life pretty much uh are cannibal holocaust by Rigio Diodato 
and Texas Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper, which is, are not like surprising films for any horror film, but when I saw them when I was a kid, they really like afterward stuck into my head. And yeah. They have a, a visceral impact that all the films that I do try to, I, can, I, I try to reach kind of the same feeling of uneasiness that these movies have. So I think clearly... I can, I can definitely see the inspiration from Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this film that we've got now. Yeah, it's really, uh, that's one that's really, uh, was really important. So, uh, and long story short, when I was a kid, I was living in uh, Northern Quebec and there was a, a farm a couple of blocks down the road and they had that kind of generator, a bit like in Texas. So yeah, it really stuck on me when I saw the film because I was like, ah. So there's a lot of <laughs> stories like that that we told. So that's, yeah, two other movies. I'd say um, one one um in the film that I really loved that had an impact on what I do, uh Driller Killer by Abel Ferrara. Yes. That's one and uh, particularly Anatomorphose, there's a lot of, of a nod to uh Driller Killer, the artist that cannot like create and stuff like that. There's a lot of things that uh are close to Driller Killer by Abel Ferrara. Um and a fifth one, um that really inspired me uh, as a filmmaker. I'm trying to think about. I really love. Um, I, re- I really love uh, experimental cinema. So, and especially yeah. like transgressive films and or, or more um, or films from the 60s and 70s. So, I'd say like, for example, it came to mind, but Maya Deran stuff like Meshes of the Afternoon. What I did more with the fantastic stuff or or Kenneth Anger. Really love that. So. I'd say yeah. that kind of some other stuff that really had a stuck. But what, oh yeah, speaking of experimental cinema, the one that I refer to a lot to in my movies are, uh, is uh, Derek Jarman, The Last of England. Oh, I don't think I've seen that. So it's an experimental feature land with Tilda Swinton shot in the 80s uh, in England. And it's, uh, it's amazing. It's really cool. And there's, in Purgatory, there's a shot that really directly de- re- reference that movie. And in Tornado Morphos too. So yeah, that's the one that doesn't come to my mind very often when people ask me the question. When I start thinking, yeah, it comes, it comes back. But the last of England too is the important one. I'll definitely add that to my watch list. And uh, so, what have you got coming up in the future? Is there anything we should be on the lookout for, like you've got coming soon? Yeah, well, actually, now my short film Asmodeus is getting a Blu-ray release with all my short films uh, on Dead Vision releasing. So people that want to see my short films, they can find everything in there. Um, we're working on a new album with my band. So our first LP, because we only release EP for now. And another feature that I'm currently like working on the script and that I'd like to, if everything goes good and well, maybe shoot next year. Uh, but we'll do uh, crowdfunding and stuff like that. It will be independently produced like Thanatomorphose again. So, yeah. uh, probably I will Is reach that out. Within horror? Yeah, uh, more. More fantastic on that way, so it's not really. It's it. It won't be like *Tenetomorpho*. It will be because something completely different. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, is it is it something that you prefer to do? Is it? Do you, are you strictly consider yourself more of like a horror director, or are you just? Is it just that was all the path you've taken so far? It's just that way because like the ideas that I have, the, they fall into that categories because because like it's labeled like that way. Sometimes I said, oh, it's not really over 100%, but that's the closest job too. So it goes too. But actually the, the, um, a few years ago, I was prepping a project which was a 
erotic comedy. And it fell through because of foundings and everything. So I spent about a good four or five years on that. So that kind of explained to me the gap between Tenato and another feature because I worked a lot on that film. It was a co-production with uh, France and Belgium and Canada. So it was like something really uh, big and put a lot of uh, time on that and it fell through. But it was our erotic comedy, so it's not our film. So I don't think it will stuck to our film. I'm, I'm editing right now a documentary essay that I'm doing that is more personal so it's not horror per se so so no i don't i don't think i stick on horror film it's just like now the other idea that i had happens to fall into uh, that category oh well we hope i hope personally i get to see some more horror takes from you because phantom of the house was one of literally the biggest highlights of last year to me i've only just recently discovered it and i was i was blown away from start to finish up it was absolutely fantastic so i hope you go back down that road again in the future Thank you very much. I'd say, I'd say, look at my last short film. If you can get an end on Sasmodius, so if people can find it, you will like it. I think if you like that, and, and what I did, yeah, definitely. Along these lines and graphic, yeah, and there's, there's uh, sexual, sexually graphic and stuff like that. Uh, so you, you, I guess you will like it. Yeah, I'll, de- I'll definitely, I'll check that out since I can. Um, but that's enough for tonight, Eric. So I just want to say thank you ever so much for thank joining you. us. It's been a pleasure to sit down and talk about this film with you and also get a bit of an insight to the man behind the project. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to be with us. Yeah, you're welcome and thank you very much. And thanks for to everyone who spent time listening to my ramblings. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure this is going to go down very well. I think people are really going to take well to the film when, when we release this episode and hopefully... Hopefully, if they haven't seen it already, they will take the time out of the day to go and go and watch it because it definitely deserves the recognition. Thank you very much. A huge thank you, Eric, for for being willing to come on and talk to us about your movie and to share so much depth, not just into the movie, but also into the other projects and other things you've done and your band and your porn and... Your porn. He, not his porn. He's <laughs> the, the correct term or adult entertainment. Your porn, like he has a stash under his bed. <laughs> I, I do. Oh, no, I don't. Well, I, I suppose I do. My phone lives under my bed. <laughs> don't share, mate. You're oversharing and you need yeah, to stop. It, it's not like, not like when we were younger and we used to have to find clever places to hide magazines. Those days have gone. <laughs> There's no more stashing of Hustler under the pillow. Ah, uh, the good old days. Uh, uh, anyway, but yeah, no, yeah, Eric was really, really cool. Thank you very much for taking the time out to to stop by and have a chat with me about this film. It was it was a cool experience to talk to him, man. He was very insightful He's and cool he guy. Has a vast knowledge of of all things pornography and gore. Um, yeah, and film in general. Just just talking to him and hearing like how he shot things and what their intentions were great really yeah. really cool it really made me look at this film in a completely different light not that i didn't look at it in any sort of negative connotation in the first place but to hear his ideas and what he wanted it to be and what he wanted it to represent and then see it come to life after what after the interview and then watching it again a third time because i watched this the first time for my review and then i watched it again to interview eric and then watching it again, it just seemed different after the interview. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Um, very, very good bloke. And, and yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us about this. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. Um, should we do hot takes? This is going to be interesting. It's time for hot takes. So hot takes is where we ask for your opinions on the movie and they're completely unfiltered. And you say and share whatever you want. 
we got very, very little response to this. Um, and honestly, it's because not a lot of you have seen this, which is a shame. While this movie is not one of the most pleasant experiences I've ever had as a horror fan, if you've got a strong stomach or you like body horror, I would highly recommend this movie. Um, but we have no hot shake, not hot, hot shakes, hot shakes, hot shakes. No, hot sh- no hot shakes, no hot shakes, could, no hot shakes. I could drink hot shake today. <laughs> we got no hot takes this week at all. Um, Mark, I'm going to let you take the roundup on this first. Okay, that seems fair enough. Um, I don't really know how to address my overall roundup of this film. I'm going to start by explaining how I came to be with this film, how I found it, and why I see. Seat? Is it seat? Yeah, sort. Sort it out. Sort it out. God, I really need to invest in the dictionary. How I came to sort this film out. Um, so for me as a horror fan, I'm a big horror fan. I have been probably a dedicated horror fan for maybe the past 20 years, I would say. I've been fully invested in the genre. And I don't know whether this is the same for everybody else, but after a while, you kind of come numb to it all. You kind of... There isn't a lot that you can see and be shocked by or not necessarily be entertained by because they're entertaining films as a genre. That's why we watch them in the first place. But it kind of gets to a stage for me every now and again. And I don't get this very frequently, but after a while, it becomes kind of tedious. And I like to try and push myself to that next level. And I'm always curious to see what's out there that will I don't know, kind of like an addiction. You're always looking for that next big thing that's going to tip you over the edge. And I get that with horror. And I can watch countless horror movies. I can watch Predators, The Thing, Halloweens, Screams. I can watch them all week long. But eventually, after a period of time, it gets to the point where I'm like, I need something fresh. I need something that's really going to test my limits of what I can stand and what I can stomach. And every now and again, I find myself going to the internet to find those films and I'll search and Thanatomorphos was one Than- of the ones. Thanatomorphos. Thanatomorphos was always one that cropped up on many lists all the time. It was always popping up, and I could never find a copy of it. I could never get hold of it. And eventually, it sort of came into my aura, and I was like, "Yes, right, I'm going to check this out." And man, I was just mesmerized by it from start to finish, and not necessarily for the reasons I was initially seeking. I wanted to be disturbed i wanted to be grossed out and it definitely provided me with all of those things but unlike a lot of films within this subgenre this video nasty sort of era of film um this was different and it was different because it not it didn't serve the purpose just to shock you it kind of had more depth and levels to it than anything that i've seen that contains this kind of grotesque violence and disturbing nature of 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 a film and and I think that's what makes it stand out above the rest because I like this type yeah, of film but it, and it, I like it, it's got a story unlike um is it Operation Red or Red Dawn yeah. or whatever it's called that's just to shock violence this, for the sake of sake and yeah this has got and yeah this sh- has got substance behind that shock yeah exactly and it's it's very rare that you find that within these films and i think that is what really separates it from all the rest of them and 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 i just didn't expect that from it and i don't know whether that's changed my overall perception of the film because i i I went in wanting to be grossed out and disturbed every time i do this i don't do this very often but every sort of 
three to six months, I'm like, oh, God, I really need something nasty and dark and weird just to sort of (laughs) make me appreciate the tameness of what I've got (laughs) on a daily basis. And when I sat down to watch this, I just, I was in awe of it from start to finish. And it, and it, not necessarily from start to finish, but at least a good 20 minutes in, it had me hooked. And I mean, the performances were outstanding. The lead actress, um, Candice Rose, I believe her name is, what she must have had to endure to be able to de- deliver this performance must be mind blowing. The level of prosthetics she must have had to sit through. I mean, we go into it with Eric in my interview it must be really enduring for her to have to do a performance like this. And she delivers it so well for her to have to hold the stage on her own, which she does for at least 98% of this film and still keep an attention of an audience is a testament to the talent she has as an actress. I'm I'm mind blown that she hasn't got more work. And I guess maybe that's because more people haven't seen her performance in this film, but watching this film alone, just to see what she showcases is, is worthy of your time. Um, The practical effects, mind-blowing probably some of the best practical effects i've seen in recent years and as you all know i love my practical effects this was second to none really in terms of quality um the direction eric does a great job of of giving you that isolated fly on the wall feeling that you get in this movie which makes you feel more in connection with the characters that are on screen you feel like you're there with them you feel like you are watching this play out you don't feel like you're watching a movie you feel like you're Part of it. Part of it. And yes. I've never felt that necessarily before. And I know that's merely the aim and the kind of the way that quite a lot of found footage movies try to go. But this just showcases how you can do that and you can provide that sense of feeling, but without being found footage. Because it felt like a found footage movie in a sense, but was shot beautifully and it had perfect editing and it was crafted together that, made the story more digestible rather than just a rolling continuous camera. And for that reason alone, I have to give him credit and applaud for what he's done here because it truly was mesmerizing. So I'm going to stop rabbiting on a little bit about this film because I could sit here all day long talking about the subject matter, the messages behind it, but you'd only listen to me talking about what I've already mentioned so many times throughout this episode already. I strongly recommend you check this film out. Even if it's like me, you have, that need to try and seek out what you can and can't tolerate as a horror fan. This is the perfect stepping stone for you to do that because, as I've mentioned, a lot of video nasties are just there for violence and shock's sake. At least this one is digestible and tolerable in terms of having a story narrative. You can follow progression of the characters. Check it out. Give it your time. It may not be for you. (laughs) I think you're going to have to have an open mind going in to be able to sit there and watch it all. But look at it through a point of art and what somebody is trying to portray on screen rather than just the shock factors that come with it. I think if you can see past that and dive more into the story element of things and the message that it's trying to present, you will find a lot of enjoyment within this film. And it isn't just a video nasty, um, even though it definitely serves its purpose as, one yeah. as well at the same time. Um, yeah, but for me, I loved it. And I've only grown to love it more over recent watches it's not something I would necessarily revisit on my own. I've watched this now four times, and each time I haven't necessarily looked at any more or any less, but it's it's 
I just pick up new things every time I go back to it. Things that I didn't catch the first time. Like, oh, now I know what happens at the end or now I know what happens with that small cutaway segment makes this make a little bit more sense. And I think a few watches of it really does make you appreciate what it has to to offer. Um, so check it out. I think you owe it to yourself as a horror fan to at least give it a try. Majority of people out there really aren't going to like this film for that alone because it is hard to watch. Yeah. But I loved it, and I think I'm going to stick with my initial score that I give it on my um, review many weeks ago, and I'm going to go four out of five, top notch. Okay, good, good store, good, good store, good score. Why can't I speak today? <laughs> you need another beer. Yeah, um, this is not my type of movie. Um, when Mark initially reviewed this on his page, I read his review and I went, "That's not for me." And I commented, that's not for me. Hence why we're here today. Um, it's gross and disgusting in every sense of those words and more so. Uh, it, it's, it, it goes to levels of depravity that I personally don't like watching in a horror movie. I find it uncomfortable and I find it nerve wracking. And I, I find the whole thing a really tense, unenjoyable experience. It's very dark, including the lighting, which I took issue with until Eric showed us everything. And then I wish he turned the fucking lights back off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's shot really, really well. It's really, really artsy. And I really like the way it's shot. Um, It's a lot of the flashy scenes, again, aren't for me, but that's personal choice. The practical effects in this are the best I've seen. It even including big budget horror movies, fucking Damien Leone, take a seat. Yeah. This practical effects in this are so good that I'm 50 50 whether she actually decayed and died. It's so good, <laughs> the practical effects in this. Um, the acting from the, the main character uh, who plays Candice Laura, Rudd. Candice Rose, is excellent, showing a range of capabilities that you just don't see in a mainstream horror movie. You don't get the rain. You don't get the opportunity to showcase the range of emotions that she shows in this film in something like scream or Halloween. It's just not, it's not open to that. This is every emotion possible showcased in an hour and 30 minutes. This is for a low budget horror, unbelievably good quality unbelievably good um the message is dark it's it's you need to be looking after yourselves you need to be making sure that these negative influences aren't in your life and that you take charge of what you've got and i know that's really hard for a lot of people and i think that's part of the reason that a lot of people won't like this because this will be very much a a self-reflecting movie to watch Lots of people will take a lot from this. I'm glad I've watched this. I will never, ever watch it again. But I am glad I have seen it. I'm glad I got to see the great practical effects, the great acting, the brilliant directing. Um, It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's just not for me. I rate things based on my enjoyment of a movie and obviously all of the quality that goes with that. Um, This gets a 7 out of 10 from me. And all of that is based on the quality of this movie. It loses the three points because I honestly did not enjoy a single second of it. I kind of guess that's the point of it. 
it's yeah. not meant to be enjoyed, but that's where it loses marks for me. But I would say if you've got a strong enough stomach, go and watch it. Do not miss out on this movie because it needs to be seen by more people. It definitely, definitely does. And I think Eric is a fantastic director. I'm excited to see what he has to do in the future. He's actually sent me the um, the screening for his latest anthology film. So I'll be checking that out in the near future when I recover from the four watches of this. Yeah. <laughs> that I've done recently. I think I need a holiday um, before I watch anything else. I think I'll stick to my, my daughter's... Uh, children's cartoons until i recover but um i'll i'll certainly be checking now and I'm, I'm quite hopeful if it's done with the same level of care and consideration that this was yeah because there's a lot of care that went into this if you are brave enough if you have got the stomach to watch this you can watch it on amazon prime all over the globe it's, it's a couple of quid it's a couple of dollars go and download it if you think you can stomach it i'm not going to say you have to because there are a lot of people who will get 20 minutes into this and they're going to tap out but yeah, if you and, it, 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 it it's it's a unique taste to take on this sort of movie you need to be in the right mindset if you're really low and down and you're having a really bad time i would probably say do not dive into this movie now because it may not be for you no no i wouldn't recommend that either no um, oh maybe not maybe do maybe it might give you a different perspective on well that. exactly that um, um one thing I do want to mention as well before we go is you mentioned that this was a couple of quid on Amazon Prime. Pay for this. Yeah. Even 100%. if you don't make it through to the end of it, pay for it, show some support to the director, help independent filmmakers make more content like this. Yeah. That's just one cup of coffee. Just don't have a cup of coffee one morning. Pay for this film. Even if you don't make it through to the end, it enables directors and visionaries to be able to produce more content like this in the future, which is something as horror fans, I think we all deserve. Yeah. I'd agree with by that. mainstream tripe at the moment, with all the conjurings and saws and all the rest of it as horror fans, we need to go back to an era where we had the John Carpenter's Halloween independent horror films. We had the Toby Hooper, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We are in a position in life at the moment. And especially in this era with social media and, all the network streaming services we have, we have the power as film fans yeah. and as audiences to be able to manipulate it to our taste. Oh, of course don't we do. Go spend 20 bucks in the Odeon cinema near you to watch another Saw film. Buy something like this on Amazon Prime and give the funding towards people who are trying to make a creative difference in the genre so we can get new fresh takes and we can get those cult classics that we had in the 80s that we no longer get. Yeah, I, I completely agree. 100% with everything you've just said. Yeah. And also, Scott's film is coming out later on this year, so please buy that too. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I completely agree with supporting independent <laughs> filmmakers. Um, guess the year. Uh, last week, or last, not last week, last week was the awards. The week before that was 2011 from The Lost Boys yes. last week. Where are we? What day is it? Yeah, it was 2011. What have you got this I week? This week, I have a movie quote from the year. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to tell you the year. The quote is, hang on, lads. I've got a great idea. Said many a times on a lad's night out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many a um, times throughout the week when we're discussing what we're going to do with the future of the show. <laughs> many times daily, I say it to Lisa Sugate. That's a bad idea, Scott. <laughs> yeah. um, 
the song is something by the Beatles. And my movie is Easy Rider. And all you need to do is guess the year. I want to say another huge thank you to Eric for agreeing to be interviewed by us. Um, it's a really intriguing movie. And it's it's not something you might necessarily enjoy, but it's something that I think needs to be experienced by lots of you. Um, and that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. If you feel up to it, definitely go and check it out. Uh, we are back next week uh, with a horror movie classic as we are covering Silence of the Lambs. But before we go, I promised a message from a listener. Now, this listener who sent this message is also the listener who requested this episode. <laughs> yeah, so some this, answering to do. This is a message from Eric. After seeing Mark's post on Eight-Legged Freaks, it has to be done. I have to officially request arachnophobia be reviewed. That's it? That's it. That doesn't count, though, does it? Uh, this is kind of where I'm going to go now, because, Eric, you, you, you made a bit of a boo-boo by telling me you hadn't seen Thanatomorphos. So in order to get arachnophobia reviewed on the show, I can't believe I'm saying this, I'm shooting myself in the foot, but in order to see Mark suffer, <laughs> I, need, I need proof that you've seen arachnophobia. So I need you to take a photograph of you watching arachnophobia and share it to your story and tag me and Mark. And if you do that, we will add it into our rotation. If you oh, don't do bullshit, that, man. he could just like take a screenshot and just take a photo of himself next to like a YouTube clip. That's not fair. That's what he needs to do. And if he doesn't do that, it doesn't get on the show. Oh, fuck's sake. And on that huge bombshell that we might be getting that, Thank you for listening. Don't forget to review us on Apple and Spotify. Do both, not just one. Don't be tight. Um, support our sponsor, Dubby Energy, W.GG. Uh, uh, use code URUN10, check out for 10% off, and head over to our shop and buy something at urunpodcast.com. Until we see you then, until we see you then, until we see you, oh, fucking hell. Don't see you for a week, I'll see you for a window. <laughs> until the next time we see you. Be sure to put some lotion on that skin. Ooh. I feel like you kind of underhyped it now with the bumbling you did beforehand. I, I, I did. I'll edit it all out. Let me do it again. Okay. You can't edit this now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to. I might not. I might just leave it and we'll get really professional. Right, here we go. Here we go. And until we catch you next time, put the lotion on the skin or you'll get the hose again. Nah. <laughs> I hope you leave that full thing and I, mean, I hope you It's all staying. <laughs> it's all staying. Bye guys, see you later. Yes guys, see you next week. <laughs> Before we forget, you wanna die tonight? The cheaper, nastier, the better for me. Would you have stayed after this? Sorry man, I was completely off guard there. He's in his coffin. He's the undead. This was the best day of the film. This is not the last time someone's going to steal your man. Yeah, Mark's not a nice guy. I just he didn't notice this scene. It looks like he's got an extra leg. Yeah, I've got nothing. I've literally got nothing here. Surely that would be worse. The more listeners we have, the worse that's going to be. Yeah, but I would just get a new phone. Oh, I tell a lie, actually. Yeah, because we used to have um, teletext. Art the Clown makes Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees look like pussies. I can only assume that this was due to budgetary reasons and they couldn't afford enough extras. Are you going to have Buster Rhymes in your list of characters? 
Mate, I can't believe you don't know idle hands. I'm gonna ram my foot down his fucking throat. <laughs> it was awesome. It fucking wasn't <laughs> awesome!